Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I am Brian Hefty live in the Morton studio. Today in the show we're going to talk a little about seed prepay, but we would be happy to take your phone call or answer your emails. Our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. If you'd like to give us a call, again, that's 844-442-4743. Our phone lines will be open all throughout the show today. Our email address is radio at agphd.com, or you can find us on Twitter, agphdmedia, or Brian Hefty. All right, so again, the topic today is seed prepay, and the reason why we're talking about this today, as you can imagine, is... Farmers today are getting hit up by seed dealers all throughout the United States, Canada, really all of North America here. It's the the time of year when people start wrapping up harvest and thinking about the following year. And a lot of these seed companies have big time discounts to try to incentivize you to prepay your seed now. Now, also, I would say there are a lot of finance programs, and then certainly there are some prepay programs that uh, continue through until after the first of the year. But anyway, I want to talk about the finance programs to begin with, because this is one of the things that I don't think enough people realize are out there. The, the big thing with finance, when you think about, okay, I got to get financing from a seed company, a lot of times what I've seen in the past is the farmers I talk to anyway say, well, I'm going to finance it, so I'll just wait until spring, and then I'll just finance it then when I get the seed. The reason why you don't want to do that is because you're going to then pay whatever the price is at that point. If you finance now, you're going to pay a a different price and a lower price. And the reason why is because the finance company provides the money then, just like the bank would provide the money, to the seed company. So the seed company gets their cash earlier, which means they can give you a better deal. So I'm, I'm just trying to say, even if you say, oh, I, I'm, not, I'm not ready to do this. I don't want to do this right now. You know, this is one of the things my dad talked to me about all the time, too. He's like, look, you got to work super hard every day. I mean, literally every day, you got to work your tail off if you're going to be successful. But on, uh, on the other side, you got to figure out how you can make money using your head, using, as he would term it, the pencil. So you got to run the pencil on stuff all the time, Brian. And anyway, the the point is, he's like, look, you got to look for the best deals whenever they're out there. And seed companies, chemical companies, fertilizer companies, in some cases, they want to lock up that business early. So they're providing incentives to do things early. And yes, you can say, well, occasionally I can get just as good a deal in the spring. I can promise you, you will not get as good a deal in the spring on the varieties you want. Yep, there are going to be some varieties that seed companies are going to try to pitch in the spring. Well, why are they doing that? Because they're not selling. (laughs) That's why. So if you want the best stuff, you want to get it locked in early, okay? And anyway, I, I, I just tell you, when it comes to this this finance thing, that's gotten to be a really big deal in the last few years. But I would also say this. There is a cost to the seed companies, whether it's the retailer or the, the actual seed company. There's a cost to run it through a financing program. And in a lot of cases, and I mean a lot of cases, the deal you can get from your local banker is going to be better. So I would just tell you, I realize that it's easy. I realize that you just talk to the seed company and they say, oh, I'll finance it. You agree on a price, whatever, and you're done. But do your homework. 
just at least talk to your bank and maybe even a couple, three other banks and say, okay, I want to buy $150,000 worth of seed coming up here uh, shortly, whether it's right now, because a lot of these seed deals are in the next couple of weeks. They've got their, their first big prepaid date. Um, you talk to these different banks today. I mean, you can call them up today and say, hey, I, I, I want to do some some prepay to the seed company. What kind of a deal can I get? And then you can go back to the seed company and say, okay, what's my deal for cash? What's my deal for finance? And we're talking about this so much today. I realize for you, you may think, oh my goodness, Brian, this is incredibly rudimentary. It is, but you cannot believe how many farmers I talk to that aren't shopping around with banks, uh, at least even talking to their local bank. They just say, well, this seed company, I'll take care of it. Well, they will, but what's the net cost? I, our job here at Ag PhD is to try to help you make the most money possible on your farm while at the same time getting as much yield as possible and doing the right thing for the land and the environment. Okay, well, one of the things is we want you to try to get your seed for the best deal that you can. And I'm just trying to say on the good numbers that you want for your area, um, you, you really are ahead most of the time to get it locked in now, or at least get stuff ordered now. And if you say, look, I'm going to have cash right after the first of the year, I want to push uh, my expenses to after the first of the year, whatever, that's fine. But just talk to the seed company, chemical company, whatever it is, and then get that stuff prepaid right after January 1. Personally, I believe we're going to see a lot more farmers prepaying before January 1 this year because of the uh, MFP payments, the uh, uh, market facilitation payments, and then also because of all the crop insurance payments that unfortunately are having to go out. Well, fortunately or unfortunately, however you want to look at that, having to go out this year. Personally, I'd rather just have a fantastic crop at a good price and we don't have to worry about any of that other stuff. But, you know, that's just that's kind of the way the year is gone. So anyway, we will talk a little about seed prepay, and uh, I'm hoping you would call in if you want to talk about you know just the things that you're looking for when it comes to prepay of anything. Um, I, I would say, too, you have to be careful with what you're doing with your physical cash. And the reason why is because, it, it, let's say you give a check to a seed company. What collateral do you have? Well, in most cases, you have none. So what happens if the seed company goes bankrupt before you get your seed? Now, I certainly hope that doesn't happen to anybody out there ever, but unfortunately it has happened in the past. So it's just one of these things where you say, okay, I better make sure that I'm, I'm putting my money with somebody that I can trust or that I'm getting the seed early. And even right now, there is a lot of corn seed that's available today. Stuff that was harvested just this year has already been processed. I mean, that processing has been going on for the last two months. So you might be able to get seed corn delivered to your farm now and pay for it now. And then you don't, you don't have all that risk. You've got the corn already. Well, anyway, we will continue talking about seed prepay and answer your phone calls and your questions on today's Ag PhD Radio. Find your full potential and increase your bottom line with branded generic pesticides from Atticus, LLC. Atticus offers a vast portfolio of branded generic fungicides, herbicides, and insecticides for row crops. Atticus puts grassroots experience and common sense logic to work to make product selection easier and on your terms. Growers across the region count on Atticus for relevant and reliable products that deliver results every time. Ask your local retailer about Atticus products and visit AtticusLLC.com to learn more. For value-based solutions you can trust, turn to Atticus. Always read and follow label instructions. 
Build with the best. When you choose Morton Buildings for your next farm storage building, you'll experience the Morton Advantage at every step, starting before the walls even go up. Since the value of our buildings is in its ability to protect what you have stored inside, we ensure that every component is researched and tested to withstand the elements in all weather conditions. And we back it up with the strongest warranty in the business. Looks better, built stronger, lasts longer. Learn more at mortonbuildings.com. Customer service goes a long way when trying something new. Ryan Shaw from Michigan shares how Soil Warrior helped him transition to strip tillage in his operation. The Soil Warrior guys, they are amazing to work with. They made this jump in this transition extremely painless. It, one question that I get all the time is, how is the service and everything? And I said, well, actually, I get better service from them than I typically do my dealers uptown. They're just amazing. More info at SoilWarrior.com. Clean fields and higher yields start with a strong battle plan. For soybean growers, there's no stronger ally than Sonic Herbicide. When applied pre-emerge, Sonic has proven to defeat yield robbers like water hemp, mare's tail, and giant ragweed. With long-lasting residual control, it keeps fighting to defend your field from invaders. Visit battleweeds.com to plan your attack against weeds. Always read and follow label directions. Sir, yes, sir! Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here live in the Morton studio. If you've got a question for us, our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. Uh, we're going to go to the phone lines right away here. We've got Nick calling in from Illinois. Hey, Nick, how are you today? I'm good. Yourself? Excellent. So I hear you got some questions about tillage. Yes, we've been looking to change our tillage tool. We've We've been running vertical tillage for, for many years now, yep. and uh, we've been on soybean stubble. The, 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 uh, the corn stalks we don't touch, uh, strictly no-till the soybeans, but okay. um, we like to hit our soybean stubble lightly in the fall and then again in the spring. Um, again, vertical tillage, nothing deep. We've been looking recently at a uh, uh, Case International, the VT335 tool, and uh, we've liked it. We ran it some this fall. We've been hearing some from some friends who say, gosh, that's, that's nothing more than a disc because of that degree of angle. And um, just wanted to get your thoughts on it. We, we don't run it deep. Uh, we've looked at a couple other tools, and, and uh, we don't want to get into that horizontal tillage layer again, but wanted yeah. to see what you thought. Well, let me just first say that I am uh, I, kind of sad with the way this year turned out because there's going to be so much more tillage being done from guys not just like you that want to do tillage every year but from a lot of guys that feel like they have to do tillage because of all the ruts and compaction that got created off of 2019 and even to some degree off of 2018 so i'll I'll lead with that and that's why a lot of people are looking at more vertical tillage stuff i mean there's a reason why case came out with that particular machine personally no i do not think it's going to have near the compaction issues that we've had with a disc you know when you when you think about a disc and, and a lot of people don't realize this they they often use discs to help make roads i mean <laughs> discs are not tools that are supposed to reduce compaction out there uh, they very often can create more but yeah when you're running a lot of light stuff um it it's certainly not that bad um i i, I would say with 
the with what we see done in the fall, it's a lot of times very different than what we're doing in the spring. People are going even lighter in the spring. So just for example, on our farm, uh, we had a bunch of manure applied to all our soybean ground that's going to go to corn next year. And we went out and did some chiseling, in some cases some deep ripping. It, it's not like it's super necessary every year just because of... Uh, uh, I mean, there isn't a whole lot of residue there or anything, you know, so that that's yeah. the other side of this deal. If we were talking about corn stalks going into corn, then I might tell you, you know, I don't know if that's going to be the tool for you. But with what you're talking Agreed. about, yeah, with what you're talking about, I'm, I'm sure it's going to be just fine. And like you say, the, the number one thing for almost any farmer is how does it work on my farm? And since you said you've already demoed it, you thought it was fine, your only question is really what are we going to create for compassion? Um, I, I'm really not that worried about lots of compaction, but I will say this, any tillage tool at all, any trip over the field, anything can create some degree of compaction. So I don't think we've completely escaped it, but yeah, it's, it's nothing like a disc. I think you're going to be fine. Okay. I appreciate it. You Thank bet. You. Yeah, you bet. Thanks for calling. Yeah, I know even on our farm, we are doing more tillage than we normally would do. And I think I told this story at the radio the other day, but there's some river bottom ground we have. And I just told our guys, I don't care if it's wet. I don't care what the conditions are of the soil. We are tilling that this fall, no matter what, because I'm not going to have another year where it's June planting. And for that ground, and as high as the water table is, we just have to turn it black. And it's an unfortunate deal. Don't want to do it. Only happens maybe once out of 10 years. But I've been through this enough times before to know that I just have to turn that black. So, yeah, it's 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 not ideal, but, you know, that's just part of farming sometimes. All right, uh, next on the show, we've got Rob Dedman. He is a consultant down in Arkansas. Rob, thanks for joining us today. Appreciate it. Hi, man. How are you doing today? Uh, well, I'm doing pretty good, but we are getting a lot of questions about seed prepay overall and just kind of what we think about the seed crop and seed quality, all that kind of stuff. So I, I, I know when... Well, let's just put it this way. Uh, I'll, I'll, I, I want to ask you, what do you usually talk to farmers about when they say, hey, my seed dealer wants me to buy early. What are your thoughts? What uh, what suggestions do you have? Well, first of all, right off, you know, when they when that question is asked, you know, my first thing is, is, is can we make money by buying early? You know, yep. um, are the discounts? significant enough um are the uh incentives are they are they great enough to warn us to buy early you know a lot of people uh have to borrow money to buy early yep. if, if if they didn't have the revenue in in, in 19 so we, we gotta look at cost of money um i think all of those are very important things uh you know another reason to buy early is shortage uh these shortages you know are we gonna get you gonna get the you're gonna get the variety that you want yep. and if you can't get the variety you want without purchasing early or prepaying for it then is it worth what it's going to cost you to prepay for it is that variety worth it and if if, if all those answers are, are yes then then we definitely need to be prepaying and, and purchasing this seed early yeah, I think one of the best things that's happened for us as farmers here in the last few years is just the low interest rates, and interest rates went down again a couple uh, times here in 2019. So for me, that's exciting and fun because the seed companies did not lower their interest rates, so we've still got pretty good interest rates there, and now hopefully farmers can borrow for just a little bit less. 
Absolutely. You know, it's um, it, it, it all boils down to, to, to the cost of money at the end of the day. And, yep. and interest is where cost of money is at. All right. So in terms of selecting varieties out there, because he said get be able to get the varieties that you want, how do you recommend farmers pick their varieties? Well, I mean, you know, on our farms, we do we do on farm uh, strip trials. Yep. And we see what varieties work on our ground, not what works across the county or across the state. Or <laughs> yep. Works on our ground under our management practices. And then secondly, I mean, it's natural they've got to they've got to use a hefty seed. I mean, that's just. <laughs> Yep, there you go. <laughs> All right, so coming back to these strip trials, one of the challenges we've seen in the last few years is just the amount of brand new varieties that come out, or for that matter even, brand new traits. Because here's what I'm dealing with up here, Rob. I got a lot of guys that want to switch over to Enlist because, like, for example, in Minnesota, they can't spray extend past June 20th. So they go, well, I just want to switch to Enlist. And I go, okay, have you ever planted any Enlist? Nope. Have you looked at any of the field? Nope. Have you looked at any of the trial work? Nope. <laughs> Okay, well, how, how are you going to do that now when you've never had it on your farm and never had any trials? So what's your suggestion there? You know, I don't know the answer to that, but, you know, that, <laughs> that's what they want to say. Yep. But yeah, you're right. So, you know, um, when when we were, when everybody was still planting Roundup 2s, we, we were looking at some, some extends and, and not applying, you know, the, right, the, the right. product. We were just looking at the technology and, and finding the varieties that we liked that yielded. And... Um, you know, and, and now that we're getting to to spray some um, some of the extend products, you know the um, uh, Ingenia and all in Arkansas, then then it it, it does present. I mean, you know, you get you get yep. enough of one chemical floating around in the air, and I, I mean, no matter how good you put it, you're going to get a little bit of damage in some places, which we none of us want. But you're going to see that stuff in places that it shouldn't be. And uh, now, are we going to wind up with disasters? We shouldn't. We should be doing a good enough job to not, but um, but you know you got to find places to put those trials. You know we should all be looking at enlist. We should all be looking at stem. Um, you know sh- I'm not gonna say that in some places we should be looking at some of the uh, all the different STS technologies and sure. things like that. You know, and it's just we got to find what fits in our operation. You know, if you're gonna be down here, we grow a lot of rice. And we use a lot of the uh, uh, STS products on the rice, so we need to have STS tolerant things around the rice, and um, that's that's what we've got to be set up for. Yeah, and I agree with you a hundred percent. You know, it really matters what works on in your operation on your ground, because I think about even what I do for fertility, it might be totally different than what the neighbors do. Even though technically our soil types might be classified the same, what we really have for soil now is uh, is a lot different. Well, again, we've been talking to Rob Dedman. He is a consultant down in the state of Arkansas. Rob, we appreciate your time as always. Thanks a lot for joining us, and uh, we hope you have a good holiday season coming up here. Anytime. Happy holidays to you guys, too. You bet. Thanks. All right, we'll continue talking about seed prepay, and if you would like to call in with any questions you've got about agronomy, be more than happy to answer those. 844-44-AG-PHD. Stay tuned. Your independent spirit is more rewarding than ever before. Unlike programs that require growers to purchase a particular seed brand or to bundle certain products, the FMC Freedom Pass program rewards you for making the best choices for your fields. Our exclusive agronomic rewards, performance assurances, application innovations, and product financing make it easier to protect your crops and cash flow. 
Visit your authorized FMC retailer or fmcfreedompass.com to calculate your potential financial incentive and learn more. For generations, your family has given their all to create a farming legacy. The fields now in your care are a heavy responsibility to sustain. You can't control when or how rain falls, but you can ensure your fields remain productive by taking water drainage into your own hands with the SoilMax Gold Digger Tile Plow. SoilMax Tile Plows bring a quick return in dollars, but no ROI is greater than a family's farming future. Let SoilMax ensure your greatest investment continues. Visit SoilMax.com to learn more. Hey, Bill, any advice to control tough weeds and rootworms? That's easy, Jim. Buy two, save three. Wait, for weeds and rootworms? Buy two, save three. Combine your Impact or new Impact Z herbicide purchase with a qualifying insecticide and save $3 per acre. Buy two, save three. That is good advice. For details, go to buy2save3.com. Impact, Impact Z, and buy two, save three are trademarks owned by Amvac Chemical Corporation. All rights reserved. Impact Z is a restricted-use pesticide. Always read and follow label instructions. As your corn crop grows and the ear begins to form, potassium is at a high demand, almost as high as nitrogen. The same is true for soybeans with similar high demands of potassium during pod fill. Don't fall behind and ensure your crop is getting its potassium with Catalyst. Catalyst by Actigrow has been shown to be the best at entering the leaf when compared to other leading potassium products. Visit k-supercharged.com for more information. Every flood begins with a raindrop. Every drought was once a sunny day. Every plague of insects grew from a couple of eggs, and every hurricane from a breeze. Our biggest problems start small, but what if the biggest solutions do too? At Indigo, we're using the natural microbes found on plants that survive droughts to help other plants survive them too. Visit indigoag.com grow to learn more. Indigo, from questions we grow. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. We are broadcasting from the Morton studio. Going to jump right back to the phone lines. Got Tom calling in from out in Tennessee. Uh, Tom's an agronomist there. Hey, Tom, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing good, Bob. How are you? Excellent. So, uh, Tom, tell us just a little bit about seed selection, seed prepay in your area in Tennessee. Are there a lot of farmers that are prepaying for seed? Uh, yes. We actually were having our seed prepay breakfast meeting in the morning at 8 o'clock here. Uh, I'll usually have about 30, 30 growers that will be here, and we're showcasing our primary brands we sell is Pioneer, uh, Pioneer, Asgro, Decab, and Cropland. Sure. Uh, so what's different this year compared to most years? Is uh, is the prepay percentage about the same? Is there any, in your area at least, any certain, let's say, real big need to book early because you're worried about seed supply? I mean, anything different you see this year compared to normal? 
No, not really. Most most thing is they 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 always get the best pricing when they if they prepay, you know, before December fifteenth, and uh, that's generally what they're after. Plus, they want to put it on uh, their two thousand nineteen taxes instead of their two thousand twenty. So that's generally, and I'm not really seeing a big difference over last year. I mean, these companies are always pushing us to go earlier and earlier and earlier every <laughs> yep. year. They're, well, and what they're trying to do, I understand, they're trying to preposition their stocks across across the board, you know, yep. in the south, in the west, in the northwest. So I get I get it. It just kind of weighs on you a little bit sometimes. It's like, man, it's like two weeks earlier than it was last year. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I hear you. Um, so... In ter- we a little bit earlier in the show, we were talking about finance programs. Have you had more inquiries this year so far than normal on the finance side, or do you think most of your guys are going to pay cash just like they might normally do? Well, Pioneer has done some changes to their finance program, and that's some of what we're going to be going over tomorrow with the sure. producers so they can actually decide uh, – whether or not they want to do cash or whether or not they want to do the, the finance option, then he's our our uh, seed rep for Pioneer is going to lay all that out for them. Now, Cropland, that's mostly Cropland and Asgrow. I do, we do that here in-house through, through the co-op system if they want to finance it or they sure. can pay cash either way. Yeah. So. Um, in terms of variety selection, is is this year a little more challenging just because the weather was extremely wet and there was at least a little bit more late planting? I know it maybe wasn't the same down in your state as it was up here, but was there anything unusual you would say this year that's making variety selection more difficult? Yeah, it is because well, this last growing season we had we had a period of really really wet weather then followed by a period of really, really dry weather, mm-hmm. then followed again by another period of really, really wet weather. And that was <laughs> all through the growing season. And so and so now I've got these producers who are trying to figure out, okay, I mean I've got this bottom ground or I've got this or I've got this higher ground and we're what's what's my best options and so we're we're trying to lay it out. Usually in the bean area, um, mid fours tend to do the best down here. Um, just generally speaking, you can get those in. You can get those in fairly early and get those out, and they usually yield pretty good. But you know, we've even had some. <laughs> I've even got one guy who wants to plant two eights all the way down here. That, that that's like a number you all plant up yep. there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And it, that's that's kind of where I was going with this. When people look at yield results from this year, it it probably is going to skew their thinking. And then you get back to hopefully next year be a normal year, and you go, oh wow, that didn't work. Yeah, and that's what I'm afraid is going to happen down here too. They're going to look at these test plot results. They're going to look at these things, and they're going to say, "Oh, I need I need to move to an earlier bean, or I need to move to a later bean." And when in reality, what you probably ought to do is just stick stick with your <laughs> game plan of what really works in this region because yep. the weather is the unpredictable factor that we just can't control. Yep, I agree with you 100. Uh, percent Tom, you got any more comments for us? Anything else you're talking to guys about with seed prepay right now? No, no, I I just deeply appreciate you all and everything that you do for the American farmer. Awesome. Thank you. Again, we've been talking to Tom Evans. He is an agronomist down in Tennessee. Tom, thanks for the time today. Appreciate it. Hey, you're welcome. You bet. All right. uh, Next, we've got Trey Kroger on from Mississippi. Uh, He is an agronomist down there. Trey, how are you today? 
We're doing well. How are you? Excellent. So we've been talking about seed, seed prepay, seed selection, all that um, so far here in this uh, this early, what I would call early prepay season before we get into December. Uh, what, what are your comments? What are you seeing so far when guys are asking questions down there about overall seed prepay? Is there more interest than normal? Uh, are you having, uh, I mean, anything, let's say, out of the ordinary in your area? Two things that come to mind is we've seen a transition to more prepay slash pre for early booking. It's probably yep. a better way to put it. Um, we've seen a very strong transition to um, early booking with early booking having an incentive of you know a price discount traditionally yeah. goes along with an early booking. You know, yep. if you book it early, um, and if you can go, especially from a corn seed standpoint if you can go ahead and take the seed early um you know there's there's relative discounts associated with that that are very enticing to the grower um it, it just streamlines everything from the standpoint if you know they can go and get their seed they can, they've got a place to store it um either in, in their their own warehouse or into a distribution warehouse such as a nutrient helena sanders Greenpoint, you know and then others, but those being the predominant four. So you see, a, you've seen a transition to that. The second thing that you've seen a transition to is a multitude of different financing options, whether it be in-house financing through uh, their distributor, the grower's distributor who they're buying from, or uh, John Deere Financial uh, being a, a big one uh, in this part of the world. So. Yes, there's been a fairly strong transition to early pay or uh, early booking and um, different financing options. You know, there's guys now that are buying things that, uh, you know, they've got terms, you know, uh, they, either, they may even down to 0% interest, you know, and, and pay by December 2020. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of financing options out there. Yes, yes, that's for sure. Yeah, those things are getting more popular, it seems like, here in just the last few years. Uh, I want to come back to the early take thing that you brought up. One of the concerns here in the Midwest that a lot of people have is if a year like 2019 hits, they bring all their seed in, then they have to return it all and swap it out for earlier varieties because of the planting date. Um, in Mississippi, I have to assume you've got a wider window to plant. Do you have typically a lot of exchanges? Or, I mean, have you had a bad year here in the last few years where guys had to switch down in maturity after they'd already taken that seed? It's fairly dynamic down here because, you know, we can plant more crops than just corn and soybeans. Right. You know, rice, you know, that's a totally separate, you know, crop in itself and that the grower pretty much knows where they're going to plant rice the following year because they've got to get that ground prepped. Yep. For rice, get it flat. Right. And um, all that ground for the most part is going to be heavy clay. So you know, you've got to have a, a good fall to get that ground prepared for the following spring. Once you do that, you pretty much have your hands tied that that's going to be planted for rice. Sure. Corn, soybeans, cotton comes into the mix. Um, growers down here, they'll have a fairly strong rotation pretty much set place. And then there's always that that um, percentage wild card, if you will, you know, where they can, <laughs> they can swap acres to a different crop yep. based on inputs going up or, you know, that the price of that commodity going down. You know, so it's fairly dynamic. Um I would say that for the most part, um, 
from a corn and soybean standpoint, they they pretty much they pretty much lock in to me what they're going to plant. And um, yes, we do have a little bit wider planting window, if you will. But one thing that we have learned uh, for the most part, 2019 was a little bit of an exception, just the excessively wet spring we had. But the later we plant, typically our yields are going to go down. Corn and soybeans. Right. Um, that's just a consistent trend that you can you can yeah, see over you know, long term. Yeah, it's the exact same thing here. We got to get that seed in the ground, and so yeah. anyway, yeah, it's it's a bad day when we can't plant early. Well, again, we're talking to Trey Kroger. Thanks for the time, Trey. Appreciate it. If your fertilizers aren't formulated to maximize your efficiency, if you can't mix all the PK and micros your crop needs into one prescription application, if you have to add products to improve and invigorate your soil biology, then you need to expect more from your fertilizer. With AgroLiquid's advanced technology, you can expect more, a lot more. Make the most of your crop nutrition. With AgroLiquid, to find a crop nutrition expert near you, visit agroliquid.com. If you're like most farmers, you start thinking about next year's herbicide program right now. And the first step to a clean start next spring is applying Authority MTZ-DF herbicide this fall. Nothing burns down tough winter annuals, including common chickweed, henbit, and mare's tail, like a tank mix containing Authority MTZ-DF herbicide. Talk to your FMC Star retailer about Authority MTZ-DF herbicide, or visit fmcauthority.com. Always read and follow label directions. Authority is not registered for sale or use in California. When it comes to my weed control, I know a head start can go a long way. That's why I spray early, so I can keep control all season long with a Roundup Ready Extend Crop System, the system that makes the difference. This is my field. Choose the Roundup Ready Extend Crop System for control of more weeds than any other soybean system. Featuring Extendamax herbicide with vapor grip technology to manage tough-to-control weeds, including up to 14 days of soil activity, along with the field-proven performance of Roundup ready-to-extend soybeans. Now you have the right tools to extend your weed control and extend your yield with the system that makes the difference. Learn how you can put the system to work in your field when you visit RoundupReadyExtend.com. Extendamax is a restricted-use pesticide. Performance may vary. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Check local regulations for specific requirements in your state. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor herbicide brands. Always read and follow label directions. Using NSERV nitrogen stabilizer with fall fertilizer applications keeps nitrogen available into the spring for maximum crop growth. Field trials in Iowa show NSERV delivered an average revenue increase of $22.96 per acre, and NSERV is the only recognized nitrogen stabilizer product in the Iowa Nutrient Reduction Strategy because it reduces nitrate leaching. That's max profit in an environmentally sustainable way. Calculate your field's profit potential at nitrogenmaximizers.com. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. I am Brian Hefty live in the Morton studio. 
you'd like to call into the show today, our phone lines will be open the rest of the show, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's what Bill did from out in Wisconsin. It's Bill Schomburg. He is with Tilth Agronomy. He is a consultant in Wisconsin. Bill, thanks for calling in today. Appreciate it. Great. Thanks for having me. All right. So seed prepay. What are you usually talking to farmers about when it comes to this this really big topic? Every seed company wants to get early bookings. They want farmers to prepay. How do you approach that with farmers that you're visiting with? Yeah, I think everybody goes at it a different approach. And I think this year it feels extra early because we're still fighting yep. getting crops off in the field, yep. even though it's probably normal. Right, but we've still <laughs> yep. got corn standing, and actually in our neighborhood, there's some soybeans still out there, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but I think the big point is, in Wisconsin here, with this uh, big amount of dairy we have, uh, we got to get those corn silage varieties picked pretty early, and especially our growers use a lot of the BMR corn, so we want to make sure we get the variety with the traits and the maturity that we want to want to plant. So. Uh, there was a big rush here at the end of October. A lot of companies had some discounts, so uh, there's a lot of uh, accounts of ours that were looking to prepay, so we're making our recommendations and getting that taken care of. Calmed down a little bit in the last two weeks, but I think once after Thanksgiving hits, we'll be, we'll be heavy in it again. Okay, so you mentioned the BMR or brown midrib corn. Is there usually a short supply in the best varieties of that, I assume? Yeah, there is, and um, it's, it seems like in our neck of the woods, we all kind of fight for the same the same maturity groups. Um, it's it's changed a little bit with the advent of uh, more farmers going to cover crops, so they want to cut back on those maturity dates to get the corn off in a more timely fashion. And get the cover so crop in, yep. Yeah, to get the cover crop in, yeah, because we've had two um, extremely wet falls, I guess, just like everyone else has had, but Cover crops this year, winter wheat this year has been pretty much non-existent um, from the wet the wet fall. So cutting those maturity back, maybe five to five to six days to maybe try to get that harvest uh, silage off a little bit sooner to get those cover crops and manure. Of course, we've always got that to deal with. Get that manure out too. Yeah, exactly. Having more time and you have those two factors in there, that's a real key. So we were talking about this a little bit earlier in the show. Do you, do you, because this was a little bit of an unusual year and it was a colder year, wetter year, do you think more guys are going to move back in maturity because of that as well? I think so. Uh, we've, we've always, you know, it seems as time goes on and we have good summers, we push those maturities to push yep. yield. And then all of a sudden there's a market correction, right? Maybe like <laughs> yep. this year was that, and then we notch back a little bit. So right. I think that is the case. I've been uh, testing grain in some fields, and it hasn't moved a point in three to four weeks. So yeah. uh, we've still got 35% corn sitting out in the field yet, wondering what to do with it. So I think that's going to maybe notch our, you know, our normal maturity here is 95. Maybe we'll go back to a 90-day just to make sure that um, – if we do have some issues in planting or we don't have the summer, I think even with, I think even with the late plantings and the amount of rain that we've had, I think we didn't get the sunshine we normally get. So I think that's the reason why this corn didn't ripen is 
we just didn't have those good days. Yep, I agree 100%. And then to finish things out and actually dry it out, it was a really cold fall. We were here anyway. We were below normal, I think, uh, 29 out of 30 days for a stretch there. You know, when you when you tar- start talking about below normal, we weren't just a little below normal, like 15, 20 degrees below normal almost every day. That's a little frustrating after a while. So, yeah, that's I, my fear is that guys are going to overreact and go too early. But, you know, to your point, I mean, when they're looking for BMR stuff, they're they're probably kind of, uh, I mean, they can move back a little bit, but they can't move back too much because there isn't a super great supply of 80 or 85 day or anything like that. No, they're going to move back a couple, maybe five days or something. Yeah. But even at that point with silage, I mean, as I was talking about grain corn standing in the field, my neighbor was just chopping silage corn the other day. So, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's been a crazy fall for us here. So, you know, they can let it sit out there a little bit longer and know that the, the chopper will still take it. Yeah. It'll go on the pile just as good because the moisture will be fine. And we did have nine below windshields here a week ago, so we did have some of that really cold stuff you guys were talking about. Yeah. All right, well, we've been talking to Bill Schomburg. He is a consultant over in Wisconsin. Bill, thanks for the time today. Appreciate the insight. Yeah, thanks for having me. You bet. All right, next on the show, we've got our good friend Matt Swanson. He is a farmer over in Illinois. Matt, how are you today? Good, Brian. How are you doing? Excellent. All right, so it's the the seed prepay time of year, and as a farmer, I assume you get bombarded with seed companies coming to your door wanting you to prepay what's your feeling going into this next year are, are you excited to prepay this year or are you thinking you want to hold off what are your general feelings about it this year well i would say we're not going to deviate too much from what we would normally do um actually the uh, salesman traffic hasn't been too bad i think there's a little bit of understanding that everybody's a little grouchy and a little behind and maybe now is not the best time best time to <laughs> yeah. uh, to be swinging by, but no, they've, what we have gotten, um, the pricing has been competitive so far. We've got some placeholder orders in, in place already to make sure sure that, you know, we lock down the discounts and then we can, you know, tweak our hybrid mix later if we want to, but. Exactly. So what, what does pricing look like compared to last year? Does it look like it's down a little bit? I would say, you know, we're all IP non-GMO corn, so, but I would say overall we're probably, off maybe five maybe ten dollars but yep you know off slightly i don't think i haven't seen anything that's up but nothing down drastically anyway yeah that's kind of what i'm seeing too it it does look like most everything is down but not down you know dramatically or anything like that right uh how you're talking a few bucks an acre probably yeah by the time you shake out yeah but you know anything helps that's uh that's sure a lot better than it going up um, okay, so how about seed varieties? And when it comes to picking varieties this year, I've asked this question of a few people so far today. Is it Are you finding it really challenging because of the way the year was to look at any variety trials out there and say, oh, yeah, that's got to be a good number because it won this year? So generally what we, we do is we put a plot in, we take the, you know, the, the top, so many numbers and yep. and we try to put a package together with you know the top five or six numbers in the plot yep most years that works fine this year we didn't get a plot in and i'm not sure how super valuable the data would have been anyway yeah um, so ba- i mean basically we found that the numbers that are good normally were good this year I mean, we didn't have anything that was an outlier that was abnormally bad that's normally good and i didn't have anything that i expected to be really good that you know really bad that was really great so i think we'll probably just 
stick with the status quo, what we know for now, and sure. And, bring the new numbers into the plot like we normally do and go on. Now, when you bring up new numbers, I'm curious about this. What percent of your farm are you willing as a farmer to plant to brand new numbers? A uh, 10%, 20%, or do you literally only put it in your plot? So generally, if, especially if it's a company that we have not planted at all, yep. um, generally it just goes in the plot or we may try, you know, half a planter full or something like that. Um, yeah. Generally, I would not do anything more than 10% total of all of the new stuff that we have. Yeah, okay. Um, anything else uh, new and different that you're kind of looking at as we move into this year? Whether, I mean, not necessarily about seed, but I got about a minute left here. I was just curious on your take if you're going to make any changes going into this next year that you think are going to improve your farm. Uh, we're going to we're gonna play with some some fertility placement things. We've, we've went to almost 100% no-till the last couple of years, and we're going to look at, at placing some new nutrition maybe with a single disc opener or something super low disturbance. Um, and I my my feeling is that I think we'll be rewarded for, for doing that, but we need to get some trial work in to verify that. So. Yeah, interesting. All right. Well, again, we've been talking to Matt Swanson. He's a farmer out in the state of Illinois. Hey, Matt, thanks a lot for the time today, and uh, wish you the best as we go into the holiday season here. You too, Brian. Thank you. Yep, thanks a lot. All right, again, we've been talking about seed prepay all throughout the show today. My last piece of advice I'll give you is this. Um, I, I always suggest farmers spread their risk. We like to plant a lot of different maturities, a lot of different varieties. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. You're just a lot safer that way. You never know. Last year's winner could be this year's loser. We see that very often with seed varieties, so just spread your risk. Well, we're going to get to your questions in the Ag PhD mailbag coming up next. Revitech fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF, that's smart. Always read and follow label directions. Every farmer knows there are lots of steps to having a perfect season. Don't let your fertilizer plan be the step that trips you up. For over 35 years, AgriLiquid has had the experts and the products that'll help you move closer to your target. No matter when you apply fertilizer, no matter how, you'll hit the bullseye. AgroLiquid can help you increase yields and crop quality. To learn more, go to agroliquid.com. AgroLiquid moves you closer to your target. When looking for someone to help with your risk management, a key component to look for is patience. Patience to bring you along in the process at your own speed. Patience to learn about your operation. And patience to not only discuss what strategies may be effective for your plan, but why they would be effective. That's the strength of Grain PhD. I'm Darren Hefty. When you're ready to become more engaged in your risk management, Grain PhD can assist you with that process. Visit grainphd.com to learn more. How do you know when to run your grain bin fans? There's an app for that. 
With the Steps GMS app, you can manually turn your fans on and off from your smartphone. You can also configure the Steps GMS app to automatically turn fans on when the humidity or temperature is ideal to keep your grain in top quality condition. Save yourself some time and take the guesswork out of managing your stored grain with the Steps GMS app. Contact us at stepsgms.com for more information. The Guardian Air Twin Spray Nozzle from Hypro produces a twin spray pattern with air-inducted droplets for superior coverage, even in dense canopies. Be effective and efficient with your spray application this season with the Guardian Air Twin. Hypro, helping you spray better. The last thing you want after harvesting your grain is to spoil it before it goes to market. The Grain Temp Guard from Farm Shop MFG is a low-cost bin monitoring solution that tracks temperature and humidity and alerts you when conditions exceed safe thresholds. Visit farmshopmfg.com. You need a powerful herbicide to fight the war on weeds. Vellum is Rotam North America's mesotrion herbicide, and it fights against the annual broadleaf weeds attacking your cornfields. Winning this battle means higher yields, lower cost to you, and maximized profitability. For long-lasting residual weed control, check out Evinco, Vilify, and our newest mix, Rixa. For application, flexibility, and season-long control, that's Evinco, Vilify, and Rixa, powered by Bellum. For more information, visit bellumherbicide.com. That's B-E-L-L-U-M herbicide.com. Come on in. The Ag PhD mailbag is about to begin. If you've got a question for us for the Ag PhD mailbag, just send me an email, radio at agphd.com, or you can call in as well, 844-44-AG-PHD. Our first question comes from Allie in Iowa. Actually, she's got three questions here. First one is, if I put down lime in no-till, is that going to work okay? How long is it going to take to work? Um, can you tell me a little about that? All right, so, Allie, I would just say, yes, lime in no-till works fine. There have been a lot of studies done on this. It's just, it's going to take longer than if you do tillage. So if let's just say, for example, that your pH is horrible. Let's say it's five, and you know you're getting killed on yield. I mean, it's terrible. So you get the lime out there. If you, I mean, my advice in that situation is I don't care if I'm a normal no-tiller, I'd still till it in because I'm losing so much yield to that poor pH. But if your pH isn't too bad and you have time, then just put it on top and it will get down in the soil. It's just going to take, instead of let's call it one year to change pH, it might take three years to change your pH. The other thing is you have to be a little bit careful because you are laying it on the soil surface. You've got a lot of lime in a small area, so you can't go, you can't get too carried away with rates. So let's put it this way. If you said, all right, my limit is I feel like I, I can only safely put on five or six tons of lime when I till it in. In a no-till situation, I would probably cut that back. I might go to two or three tons. I'd just do a little bit at a time, maybe even less than that. Just do a little bit of time, keep your pH up, more of a maintenance kind of thing. Otherwise, what ends up happening is sometimes you can tie up a bunch of the micronutrients especially and get your soils out of whack, at least in the top inch or two, before the lime has time to work its way down. All right, uh, next question is, is there any type of product that could prevent lime from blowing when I'm disking it in? I, I don't know what that would be exactly, but I will just tell you when we've had to spread lime on our farm, it's like the first thing that we're trying to get out there right away, and then we're trying to till it in just as quickly as possible. Now, obviously, when it's 
no-till, and it's it's going to lay there, there's not much you can do. But the advantage you have is the residue is going to remain there. And a lot of times, let's face it, you, you get it out there, it's not long, you're starting to get some snow or a little bit of rain, whatever, and that kind of starts to lock it down. So I'm not super worried about it blowing around, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really know what else you do other than tillage and praying for snow or rain. All right, and the final question she had is time-release nitrogen or like ESN, for example. Um, I've heard it works pretty good, but what are your thoughts? Okay, so when it comes to ESN, yes, we do think there is definitely potential with this slow-release type of nitrogen. But I would say this, it costs some money, and there's really no need in most cases to have it all be slow-release. So what we commonly see is people will throw... 20% 20% of their mix as ESPN or ESPN, ESN, good grief. <laughs> it's been a long day. Anyway, of ESN, uh, 20%, maybe 30 or 40% at, at most. And then the rest of it is just urea. So it's it's basically blending the cheap source urea and the source that's going to be available almost right away and the controlled release source. So that way you cut your costs, you keep your costs down for the overall mix, but you still have some of that product as control release. Yes, we do think there is a lot of agronomic and environmental merit to that. All right, next question comes from Bronson, uh, also from Iowa. He says, you talk quite a bit about your monitoring system for wet soybeans. Can you elaborate on your bin setup, like fan horsepower size, bushels? Are you running heaters, stirators, et cetera? If so, what kind? Also, how does your humidity typically compare to southern Iowa? All right, so Bronson, let me start with your last question. Humidity, it's one of the common misconceptions about South Dakota. Where we farm, we're maybe 20 miles from Iowa, and our humidity is extremely high all the time. This summer in July and August, our humidity averaged over 80%. So we have tropical a tropical climate in the summertime sometimes, and it's just as humid as it's going to be in southern Iowa. Not a whole lot of difference. Uh, now, if you get to western South Dakota, whole different deal, much, much, much drier. Anyway, uh, so yeah, humidity for us is going to be pretty similar to you. But what we've been talking about all fall, if you've been listening to the, the radio show here, is how we harvested a lot of our beans at 16 17% moisture each of the last couple of years. And it was a savior for us because it allowed us to harvest our beans in some cases two weeks earlier than a lot of people. So we were already done with soybean harvest when many people hadn't even started yet. So that just got us ahead with everything, with corn, with tillage, with fertility, soil testing, you name it, tiling for that matter. So it's a tremendous advantage. And all we did is we put these bin monitoring systems, or I shouldn't even say that monitoring. It's automatic bin fan controls. And we got those from AgriDry probably, I don't know, five, six years ago. And now we're using less expensive, uh, less expensive system called Steps GMS. Um, with Steps GMS, you've got to control it, but there are... Um, so in other words, you'd have to control it manually, but you can do that from your phone and it's very simple and they basically tell you when to turn it on and off. So the the point is simply this. A lot of people don't believe that you can control your bin fans and lower soybean moisture very well. Well, you absolutely can. It's just you have to be shutting it on or, or turning it on and shutting it off like every day and at just the right times. It's it's a very simple thing. You just simply look at the charts and it'll tell you based on temperature and humidity 
when the the thing needs to be on and when it needs to be off. So last year, for example, it took us three weeks to drop our beans from 17 to 13% moisture. It was about the same thing this year. And that was despite having a little bit cooler temperatures than we might normally. Not a lot cooler right at that point, but a little bit cooler. So it absolutely can work. So yeah, we aren't running any stirators, any uh, heaters, anything like that. And in terms of fan size, it really varies. Um, we've got some little bins where we've got these on and small fans. Uh, now, we've converted everything over on our farm to three-phase, but, I mean, there's a lot of single-phase stuff that we've done over the years, too, so we just made this conversion here in the last couple of years. So I'm just trying to say you can control almost any fan, almost any size, works pretty well, but, yeah, it's, it, it's so awesome. I just honestly can't believe we didn't have these systems. Well, the technology wasn't there, and that's why we didn't have them years ago. But there's no possible chance I would ever farm without them anymore because it allows us to have our beans right at 13% when we haul them in. Because I think back, and how many times did we haul in 8 or 9% beans? And how much money did we lose by doing that? Plus just the damage even in pulling them out of the bin when they are that dry. So having them at the right moisture is fantastic. All right, next question comes from Deb. She says, I was wondering if the location of the Ag PhD field day is always the same. I'm wanting to get my reservations into a hotel, and I don't want to be in the wrong area. Yes, Deb, it's always at the same site. It is uh, just outside of Baltic, South Dakota. You can look this up on our website at agphd.com. Um, but, yeah, we've, we've got a permanent site where we do that. Oh, and by the way, it's in the country. So it's even down a gravel road. And it's one of the things, you know, there are a lot of these big farm shows that are on paved highways. And, I mean, literally, it's a show. Well, for us, this is our farm. So we do set things up so it works out pretty well to have a field day there. But, I mean, this is an actual working farm, not just some presentation and show to sell you something. We're just trying to show you some of the things that we do in terms of research and uh, hopefully help give everybody an opportunity to visit with other farmers and just talk about actual crop that's in the field. So hopefully you enjoy the Ag PhD field day. Uh, but again, just go to agphd.com to learn more about that. All right, last one here comes from Sam, and he says, I, I'm, I'm working on this senior capstone research project for college, and we've decided to do uh, this test on whether, let's see, I had to, uh, oh, squirrels. Uh, yeah, I, I couldn't find it here. Whether squirrels prefer organic corn versus GMO or biotech corn. So anyway, he's asking here if we have any corn to provide him. Uh, sorry, Sam, we don't have any sweet corn that we raise on our farm or any uh, sweet corn that we can provide you that's GMO versus non-GMO or anything. But anyway, I'm, I'm super happy that you're doing this project because there are a lot of people that just read what um, they, they find in the media or listen to it and they take that as, as the truth. But there's a lot of bad information out there. And anyway, I would just say this. The biotech corn has been proven to have just as many nutrients. It's just as good. Now, I don't know what squirrels are going to prefer. I know that, like for cattle, a lot of times they like stuff that's already started to break down. So basically, it's been already damaged by bugs or disease or something else many times. Uh, so then there start to be more sugars in there right away, and it's a little softer. So I don't know what you're going to find in your research, but I'd uh, love to hear the results. Well, before we go, I just want to say thanks to our production staff. My sister Janelle was running the controls, and thanks to you for listening. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.